0: Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? I'm sorry. i was just, just waking up. Good morning. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? So today I have the privilege of continuing our, um, our journey in the book of Ephesians. Um, but before I start, for some of you guys who don't know me, um, my name is Daquan. I am the student pastor here at Crossroads. I oversee the ministries of sixth through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before I before I get into thank you guys, I appreciate you guys. Um, Before I get into um, our message today, I gotta do a a quick plug um, for student ministry. We are having our summer camp coming up very, very soon. Um, it It is June. It is June, um, I said chapter six. It is June 7th um, through 12th. Um, this is a time of when students can disconnect from the world, disconnect from temptation, and get rooted and grounded in community, rooted and grounded in, I mean, just, just, Biblical and interactive preaching. Um, This is a time for them to, man, dive deep into their faith and dive deep into what they believe. Um, So if you have a student, uh, if you have a nephew, niece, if you have a grandson, wherever it may be, um, go ahead and invite them and sign them up for summer camp coming soon. Coming soon, June 7th. Um, The cool thing is about being on staff um, and me being young is um, I'm a part of the preaching team. Um, so it is a group of the pastors, um, Pastor Marcus, Pastor Josh, and Pastor Josh, um, and Pastor Carlos, um, whom we all get together on a Tuesday morning and study together and go over the Word. And now I'm the young guy in the room, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm 27, you know, they're in their 30s, 40s, almost hitting 50, you know. So, um, so me in this time, I tried to, um, I tried to, man, just, I want to hear from y'all. Y'all been in ministry. You guys have faithful marriages, faithful ministries, faithful witness. I mean, I look up to you guys. Man, I want to hear you guys preach. I want to hear you guys teach. I want to hear you guys dissect the word and me just learn from you guys. Um, But one thing also I love about being a part of a team and uh, our pastoral staff is that they not only challenged me, but they also challenged the church. And that we need to be walking in our giftings and be walking in the things that God has molded us to do for his glory and for his service. Um, so out of the faithful uh, man, just ministry and the faithful service and the faithful shepherding of our pastors, um, I have the privilege of being up here before you today. Um, so thank you, Pastor Marcus, for the opportunity. Uh, but I cannot um, miss out on, on this. Uh, my granny's in a room, y'all. Um, so, you know. Um, she don't like she don't like she don't like all the um, all the glistening glamour. So there you go, we all we all get. Um, but um, I have the privilege of going in the book of Ephesians today. So you have your Bible, go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter five. Uh, we'll be starting at verse one. And as you're making your way there, um, I would love to do a quick um, a recap of what we've been going through. We're in chapter five, which means. We have gone through four chapters already. Um, so um, as you guys are getting the scriptures ready, I would love to do a brief recap. Um, earlier on in our time together in chapter one, we learned about three things. We learned about our adoption in Christ. We learned about our redemption in Christ and our inheritance in Christ. This helped us understand um, that our salvation is founded upon the Lord choosing us before we chose him. Yep. And then this moves into chapter two. Chapter two talks about our spiritual death talks about our condition before we came to Christ. It talks, talks about our rebellious sin and our rebellious nature. But even in all of that, it talks about God's saving grace to a rebellious people. Um, and it, it's, it, it talks about how we needed salvation because we were born as children of wrath, not children of God. And by God's mercy, he saved us and brought us into his family as a child of God. That's chapter 2. Then we talked about chapter 3, talking about the mystery of the gospel, that every generation, every ethnicity, and every nation is called to be united under the gospel of our salvation. Yep. Then chapter 4, it is the unity and function of the body of Christ, that we are called to be active, loving, and serving members of the body of Christ. Now, the reason why I said this is because all the things I just said is good theology, um, is good words and um, just biblical truth. But all that means nothing if we don't walk in it or believe it. In our time together in chapter 5, we see uh, the Apostle Paul takes a shift. He takes a, a means of different focus, a different in intensity, and also almost a different talk as well. He moves from us, no longer to talk about our gospel identity, but talks about how our gospel identity transforms our daily living. So in this portion right now in chapter 5, we're going to talk about how we live and walk as Christians. The, all theology is good, all the VBS is good, all the years of us being in church is good. But if we don't walk out our faith, if we, don't, if we don't imitate Jesus Christ, all that means nothing. This time right now, we're going to see what the sweetness of the gospel is and how great it can be lived out in our lives. Amen you guys are at Ephesians chapter 5, give me an amen. amen. There we go. We got 21 verses, y'all. So man, buckle your seatbelt and hold on. We gonna make it happen. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even be named among you as is proper among saints. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Verse 10, and try to discern, once more, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray. Lord, in this time, in this time, Father, you are merciful and gracious. You are patient with us, Lord. You are loving to us, Father. You saved us while we were still yet sinners, Lord. In this time, Lord, have us see your love. Have us see your mercy. Have us be see your humility have us see your authority have us see your goodness have us see your man just the sweetness of the gospel that is working in our lives father guide this guide this time lord lord and in this time i ask you to speak to me speak through me and speak for me in your precious name amen growing up um i grew up in a single mother household so, that means that I was the man of the house. As long as I got my chores done, I could do anything that I want. So, in this time, with me being a man of the house, I was like my own example. I'm only born in the house as well. It was my, it was my mom and my two sisters. And so, I used to just do me. And, of course, my mom ended up meeting a guy by the name of Tony. Now, Tony is... Um, they, they got married. They, they got married when I was in eleventh grade, um, and Tony was different. Tony was patient. He was kind. Um, he was he was successful, um, and he was loving. But as the stepson as I was, I did not acknowledge any of those things. Um, as a stepson, I was. Um, what I used to do was is that, and when, of course, when you first got here, I used to not say anything to him. I used to act like he didn't exist. He used to be talking and I'd act like I was deaf. Like, like, literally like, looking back on it, like I was the brattiest little kid ever. But, but, this is why. This is why, y'all. This is why I had to be the way that I was. It's because I'm the last line of defense. He already got my mom, he can't get me too. So if he takes over the whole house, who's, who? who is defending the throne? Who is defending the home? And that was my job. That was my job. And I try to do it well. But, over all these things and the qualities that he had, the one thing that I, can, I could acknowledge, and I didn't acknowledge to him, but I acknowledged to my mind, um, that that was great and that was awesome is that he had a special cologne. He smelled good. <laughs> and no matter how much I ignored him, I smelled that cologne. And me, you know, being 11th grade um, my, on my best day, I was smelling like Axe body spray. You know what I mean? That, that's like my best day. That's my best day. So then, and again, when my, him and my mom got married, we ended up moving into his house. Like, not our house. Like, we had to move into his house. And I realized every morning that I started to, after he went, up, went off to work, I started to sneak in uh, my parents' bathroom every morning to steal a few sprays of his cologne. But not only that, not only that, um, there's something called, some of, you, some of you guys might know in this room, something called wave grease. Now, you only know if you're an African-American. So, it, so wave grease is like a, like a product, a hair product you put in your hair, in make your hair, hair look wavy and shiny and good, and he had the wave grease too. So I used to go in there, use his wave grease. I used to put on his do-rag. Do-rag is a, you know, a hair wrap. Uh, I used to put on his do-rag. And I just realized day by day, moment by moment, I realized that due to his new role in my life and his character, I realized that gradually I wanted to be like him. And naturally I did. How much more should we want to be like our heavenly father who steps into our lives? When we're adopted as God's children, we imitate him as a child would his parents. So we must know that our identity and relationship to our Heavenly Father is what changes how we live and model our lives. All of this that we're going to talk about is that us modeling the love, the patience, the holiness of God. Not for us following rules or following religion, but following the modeled relationship that God has with us. This is what our time is about today. So our first point I want us to men, just to start on, is that for us to know that our gospel identity transforms how we live. Our gospel identity transforms how we live. Here, our Bibles go to verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5, of course, and it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In this text, we must understand that our identity is found in God's love for us as his children. We must know that our identity is dependent upon our role in relationship with God, nothing else. We must know that through this love as being beloved children, we are loved more than we can imagine. In this text, that, that um, beloved children is translated as being the only child. As if you are loved by the Father, as if you are his only one. So we should know and understand that we follow after the love that was modeled for us. And that is what flows to our obedience. We must know that by this love, we, his children, desire to imitate or literally copy Jesus. This imitation is a picture of Christ's love and sacrifice for our sins. This is what we've been talking about from chapter 1 to chapter 4. Now, as we journey in the rest of this book, we must understand this point that when we have a right view of God, we have a right view of ourselves. We have a right view of God's will in heaven. We have a right view of, God, of, of our will on earth. One more time. We have a right view of God's will in heaven. We have a right view of our will on earth. This is is what sets us up for the foundation of talking about sin. Sets us for the foundation of talking about the things that we all struggle with. The sins we hide from our friends, our spouses, our church. This is what sets us up for us to walk in holiness and obedience. Not by our works, not by our performance, not by who we are, how we are, but through the person and work of Christ Jesus. We are who we are. So let's start, y'all. Verse 3, verse 3 says, But sexual immorality in all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of of disobedience. The the point we'll go over today is sin is an empty savior. Sin is an empty savior. Savior. We must know that sex and success are the false gospels of humanity. That sex and success are the false gospels of humanity. There's a quote that says, sin will take you farther than you ever expected to go, and it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. We must know that our identity and worth is found in Christ and not in our sin. Now, this is a hard text. Um, man, talking about sexual sin, um, talking about success, talking about coveting and idolatry, and all of these sins that are hidden and tucked in and prettied up in our hearts. And I had to think upon my own salvation, my own walking, and my own relationship with these sins. And the point I want us to know is that sexual sin is an empty savior. And now, I'll say, I'll say why. Um, oftentimes, um, as a pastor, and chiefly as being a member of the body of Christ, I love to have dinner and hang out with you guys. Um, so me and my wife, we would um, have dinner, invite you guys over, we come over, and we learn about each other, learn about each other's lives and wisdom and, um, and where we all come from and all these things. And one question that, that always gets asked is, how you met your wife? Like, how did you meet your wife? Now, that is a good question, but I met my wife in the same way I met everyone else. I went up to them and said Hi. The better question, the better answer I love, I love um, answering is not only how I met my wife, but why did I choose my wife? We meet a lot of people. We met a lot of suitors for spouses. But the question and the answer is, why did you choose your spouse? And for me as a young man, um, I wrestled, I struggled with sexual immorality before I was saved and when I was saved. And this, will, and this will pour out into my relationships. It will pour out into my witness. It will pour out into my reputation. And I had to understand that if I'm going to keep doing this, I must, I must pick or choose where I'm going to go. Am I going to follow Christ or am I going to follow after these girls? So it was, it was, one, it was one Sunday where I went to my pastor at the time and I told him, this is what I did last night. This is my girlfriend at the time, um, and this is where I led to. And the greatest wisdom he told me was Naquan, I need you to make a decision. Either it's gonna be Yahweh as of God, or it's gonna be your way. Is it gonna be the Savior, or is gonna be sex? Is it gonna be God, or is gonna be these girls? And at that moment, I had to realize whether or not I believe what I believe. I had, to, I, I, I had to realize that, do I really believe Jesus can satisfy me? Do I really believe Jesus is enough? Do I really, really believe that the holiest is in my heart, that the, the girls that I use to affirm me or give me worth, that Jesus does that everlastingly? Did I realize this and did I know this? And right, right then I said, hey, Lord, I'm going to test you. I want to see if purity comes with the promise you speak of. I want to see if purity is really a real thing or something for us to look cute or be cool about or have little cute little rings. or maybe. Like, I want to see if this is a real thing for my life. And at that moment, I was like, all right, my next wife, the wife that I have, we ain't doing nothing before marriage. And that is how my, my, my Lord has brought my precious wife to me. Um, I know so many pastors call it the, the gospel fox, you know. <laughs> Got that from, you know, you know. <laughs> but we must know that our culture sees sexual sin as an indicator of worth and beauty. We must see that our culture believes that our desires give us identity. And that following these desires, wherever however they lead, is the expression of love. We are taught by culture that unless our sexual needs are met, then there isn't love. But Jesus says that my love that I give you, I ask for nothing in return. I have laid my life down for you so that you could be in the righteous image of God without me expecting anything in return, with no selfish gain or no selfish desire. This is what the gospel is all about. Outside of Jesus, our identity is in selfish desire, and love is only defined as the motive to meet our needs at the cost of the ones we say we love. Sexual sin completely defiles the value of God and... one more time sexual sin completely defiles the value god has placed on you and twists the truth on how we can be fully be fulfilled in christ the gospel shows that our redeeming worth is found in the love the life and death of jesus christ we must know that the way we engage and speak about sex is a gauge of our spiritual health in jesus christ We must must be reminded that sex was made by God to showcase a sacrificial, unifying love between a husband and a wife. Nothing else. Do we believe this? Because if we believe this, then we must acknowledge that this sexual sin is not our savior. That this sexual sin will not give, give me beauty, it will not give me worth, it will not give me importance, it will not give me value. Only God, my creator, gives those things. Right. Yes. The reason why God is bringing this up now after he has communicated the gospel is because sexual sin is a gospel enemy. Yep. Wow. Sexual sin is the gospel of humanity. Goodness, we must understand is that we're only going to have one savior. And that is Jesus Christ. Every other Savior is empty. It cannot fulfill the promises it it says that it will give. But that's the big one though, right? Sex is the big one. We all like, all right, we know that part. The, The smooth, the cute, the shiny, the... The sneaky, the snaky sin that that kind of just creeps into our hearts a lot of times is accepted amongst our circles, right? It is encouraged amongst our circles, and that is success. We must know as well as sex, which is selfish desire, success, which is selfish gain, is also an empty savior. Mark 8, Mark 8, verse 34 says, if anyone will come after me, Jesus will come after Jesus. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the, and the gospels will save it. Verse 36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? So, what can a man give in return for his soul? Worldly success is an empty savior. The word that is used in the the, the scripture is covetous. Like they call, what does that mean exactly? I don't use the word either. Um, Covetous. (laughs) Covetous just basically means to earnestly, sacrificially, and with passion desire something you do not have. Now, as I was with the Lord with this, I said, Lord, that's everything. I ain't got nothing. (laughs) And we must know that our faith is not rooted in our acquisition of things, but in the Father's provision. We must know that our success in this world would not be founded upon our will on earth, but God's will in heaven. Do we believe that God can provide for us better than we provide for ourselves? Do we believe and are we grateful of the work he's already done? The family he's already given you, the job he's already given you, the opportunities he's already given you. Are we giving praise to him for those things? Or are we following out through another gospel? Because our confidence as God's children is that if we don't get accepted into the college we want, don't get the job we want, we we'll get the retirement we want. We'll get the family we want, the spouse that we want. We'll get the car that we want, we'll get the clothes that we want, or the money that we want. We must understand this. As God's children, we must, we must still give praise because God has already provided all that we need. Very simply, instead of us trying to keep up with the Joneses, how about we start keeping up with Jesus? Our identity is not found in self-gain but in self-denial because our Savior has finished the work on the cross. Now, this not only stop there. It's not just actions and what we do in our hearts and what we do in secret, it's also what we do in public. It's how we speak about these things, how we speak about sex and success in our circles, at home, in our workplaces, with our family, with our friends, in the locker room, or the gym. It's about also that as well. Verse 4 says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving what the Lord has already provided. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, or impure, or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We must know that the way we engage and speak about sexual morality and personal success is a clear gauge of our spiritual health and hope in Jesus Christ. We must know that there is consequence for those who walk and identify themselves by this sin. We must know that there is consequence. It is not a joke for those who walk and identify themselves by their sin. And why? Because they have sought their sin as their Savior and denied the the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are in this room and you are stuck in bondage of sexual sin or stuck in the bondage of trying to do better all the time, the Lord is calling you to a greater hope and freedom, and that is in the gospel. We all have heard the bad news, right? Everyone knows the bad news. If I don't follow Jesus, where am I going? Anybody know the bad news? We know that hell has always been the bad news for those who rebel and reject Jesus. But let us be reminded that with that bad news, God has given us good news. And that is the gospel. The gospel is this, is that that we are sinners. We are not perfect. We are not excellent. We are not awesome. We are sinners. And we have a be- we're rebelled against a holy, a loving, and merciful God. We have denied his goodness. We have denied his hope. We have denied his provision. And we have sought for ourselves our own gods of self. And by his mercy, although we have denied his provision, we have denied his authority, we have denied his grace, we have denied his goodness, although we have denied these things, it says that God, while we were still yet sinners, sent his son to die in our place. So the punishment you will no longer have, but the provision of Christ Jesus. He sent his son so they will no longer have punishment, but provision of grace and love and salvation. We must be reminded where we come from. We must be reminded of what the gospel is. Because once we remind ourselves ourselves, what the gospel is, it would inform our relationships, our partnerships, our hangout times, and the time we spend in community. In verse seven, it talks about we are no longer partners with darkness. Verse seven says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Do not become partners with them who have this other savior. Be a light to them. It says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. One thing that I love with my wife is that one of our major times for us to spend time together is that we will watch shows, movies, things on TV, and all these things. And now there's a show that I've been hooked on, I got my wife hooked on, um, and we've been watching this show, and I, I'm a little embarrassed to say what it is. Um, we've been watching this show all right, y'all. It's, it's the Bachelor. We've been watching the Bachelor, y'all. I'm sorry. I've been trying to. I was trying to push it off. I was trying to push it off. Um, before I continue, I want to do a quick disclaimer. Okay, quick disclaimer. Um, if you are a student in the room, um, when it comes to navigating media and music consumption, anything that we, anything that we download or anything that we receive in our free time, we must know that for students in a room, don't watch shows you can watch with your parents and watch with Jesus. Secondly, if you're a parent in the room, I'm inviting you to spend time with your kids and see what they are watching and watch it with them. Because even Disney is deceitful. And why? Like, what do I do when I'm watching this show with my kid? It is three things that are in our text here. One, to help them discern what is right and what is wrong. Help them discern what is good and holy and what is evil and darkness. Help them discern what is right. But also, not only help them discern, but also to expose. To expose and, and, and make to light of like, Son, daughter, what they're believing is wrong. This is what we believe. Well, let's continue watching the show. You know what I mean? So three things, to discern, to expose, and to educate. To not only say this is wrong, but tell them why it's wrong. And tell tell them where in the Bible does it says this as well. We can't just be teachers with no resources. Let's, Let's continue that in this time that we discern, expose, and we educate. Singles in the room. Don't watch a show that will lead you to sin and temptation. Watch a show with Jesus. Spouses in the room. Spouses, don't watch or engage in anything you can't watch without your spouse. Most of the friction that comes in my home is when I watch the next show without my wife, watch the next episode. So like I be trying to play it off sometimes like real cool too. I'll be like, "All right, we're gonna watch the next episode," and then she realizes that they Kwon, you watched this already, huh? You ain't engaged. You're not talking during the show. Like you, you already watched this show. <laughs> and the reason why, like, but we must like be intentional on what we what we have when we download is that one, we live in a fallen world. Nothing is perfect. You can watch VeggieTales all the day long. I understand, you know what I mean? But that's not realistic. If it is for you, God bless you. (laughs) But the rule of thumb is that all that you engage in will either bring you closer to Christ or further away from him. Now, back to The Bachelor. Um, Who who watched The Bachelor this past season? Who's in the room? Just me? Okay, I see y'all. Come on, y'all. All all right. There you go. I see some people over there. There you go. My man, Brendan. I see you, my man. All right. So... When it comes to The Bachelor, The Bachelor is about one guy who goes on a show to meet and explore relationships with 25 different women. It sounds crazy. I understand. It's good television. Um, and the hopes that he would marry one of them by the end. And for this guy that is going through this journey this past season, um, as he was journeying through this process, um, he, he realized that he didn't know who he loved, and he was fearful to commit to one out of the fear that he will miss out on the other. And in this, and in this show, he took advantage of his role and explored all of his options to the fullest. Then as he gets to the, to the season's final episodes, he, was t- he told three women at the end, the three remaining women at the end, that I'm in love with all three of you. Now me, I'm hooked at this point. Like, next week, I'm like, come on now. Like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> and this reminded me of something. Is that it says, it's like due to his indecisiveness, what happened was is that as the show went on, he walked away with none of them in marriage. Because they did not trust his heart or intentions. As as I'm watching this with Jesus, of course, you know what I mean? Jesus, Jesus telling me, like, this is the human heart. We believe that we can still love our sin, love the things of the world, and still love and commit to Jesus. There's over 25 sins and temptations you can follow, but there's only one Jesus. And Jesus, listen, Jesus did not want to share his relationship or his devotion with anything else. When it's said you not become partners with darkness, it's saying, pick your partner. To whom will you serve, to whom will you believe, to whom will you follow? When it comes to following Christ, Christ must have no rival. There's only one seat on the throne, and he ain't sharing or screwing over nobody else. We must know that he is our only Lord and our only love. And, And through the love he has for us, everything else flows from our relationship from him. Now, all this is said is that once we choose who is our partner, We must know that now our daily walk is a reflection of our daily devotion to him. It's not just I believe in Jesus. It's not just that I'm just putting away these things. It is that now my walk, how I talk, how I express myself, my daily living is now modeled by the one I'm the partner with. Verse 14 says to us, Awake, O sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. This is it time we stop playing church. If we are sleeping around or following the dreams of this world and neglecting our faith in salvation, God is calling us to wake up. Because we must know that our actions are not contributing to our life, but contributing to our death. This is why this is a warning, this is a grace, this is a love that God is reminding us of. We must be reminded that what you are doing, you are being lulled to sleep by the sins of the world. And when you wake up on the last day, you're going to realize that you have nothing, not even Christ. Wake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. What does it look for Christ to shine upon us? Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If Christ is to shine in our lives, we must realize these three things. Ben, you guys going to come up? We must realize these three things we want Christ to shine in our lives, is that we must walk in wisdom and discernment each and every day. That if Christ is to shine and be seen to, for those all around us, we must walk in wisdom and discernment of what we're engaging in and what we're committing to. And one of the illustrations that it used is that it says, do not be foolish as if someone who is drunken with wine. Now, we all know when somebody's drunk, right? We all know when someone is under the influence. They change how they talk. They change their intentions, their motivations. They change how they walk and present themselves. We know how it is and what it it seems like when somebody is drunk or under the influence. What Christ is saying in this time is that when you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, do people notice in your walk in your life? Do they smell the cologne of Jesus on you as you're walking by? Do they see your life as a song of thankfulness and praise to Him? Do they see that purity is only a praise of what He has already provided? When we have Christ out of our lives, this is what happens our daily lives are a song of the Lord's goodness to all those around us. We walk each day with gratefulness and praise of what the Lord has done and provided in our lives. And this leads to how we love and serve one another. That we will walk with respect, respect and honor as brothers and sisters in the Lord. The question I have for you today is when people walk by you, do they smell Jesus? Have you devoted your life to Jesus truly? Truly. Or have you been wrestling with partners, wrestling with sin, wrestling with success, and wrestling with whether you're really saved or not? Today is the day for us to choose who is our Lord, who is our Savior, and who is our only hope. Let us pray. Lord, you are good and you are merciful. Lord, You tell us of sin because you're letting us know what we're missing out on and that is you. Lord, in this time, Father, enrich our hearts, enrich our minds, enrich our lives with the provision and the goodness of your Son. Have us not no longer seek after sex or seek out the success, but the the saving work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Guide us, Lord, to really examine our lives and our walk in you. But we are grateful that you chose to love us first. And we are grateful to walk in that love. In your precious name, amen.